Don't wait for these incidents to come up. You just had a short list right there. I call it the list of things that keep me awake at night. And we have an idea about what those are. Kind of imagine what your worst day might be. And in fact, maybe your organization has even experienced some of these things already. So go back and look at how they were handled and make a little list. And then I would say just start preparing at least a little bit of information for each of those scenarios. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the EMS One Stop. The topic of this podcast is going to be communication. And we've seen a number of surveys, a number of studies where communication is to blame for people leaving, people moving on, people not understanding what's required of them. Um, We've had a number of articles that have talked about the requirement of leaders to communicate. And so we need to break that out. And to help me have that discussion today, I've got two of my communicating partners in crime, Mark Tenyer from the Richmond Ambulance Authority and Alexa Jobson from REMSA. Guys, thank you and welcome. Thanks for having us. I'm going to ask you to give us a little bit more of an in-depth introduction to both of you because you have an amazing history in communications and communicating. Give us your backstory, Mark Tenya. Yeah, so I'm a former television reporter. I did that for over 10 years. And about four and a half years ago, I decided to leave television and pursue a career in public relations. And was fortunate to find a position with the Richmond Able Authority replacing a fantastic communicator at the agency and trying to fill some big shoes and have had a wonderful time using the skills I had as a reporter and trying to make those skills translate to the position of public relations. And it's been a blast um, and I've had the opportunity to do many wonderful things within this position and this organization. Well, I'm excited that you're there and you're doing some amazing work, Mark and uh, Alexia. Thanks for having me, Rob. And for those of you who may not have caught on, Mark was filling Rob's big shoes um, in that position. So um, we are excited to be here. Um, I grew up in the Reno area and um, have long known about REMSA Health and the services they provide in the community. I began my public relations career about 22 years ago and have worked in a variety of different industries. So from uh, retail and real estate to agency work, to the visual arts at an art museum and other healthcare providers. And when I was most recently at the agency, we had REMSA Health as a client of ours and I was working very hard the whole time I was there to figure out how I could uh, be a permanent part of the REMSA Health team. And eventually an opportunity opened up and I joined the REMSA Health organization about five years ago. And it has been fantastic. There are so many complex communication challenges within healthcare that Aside from the day-to-day that you never know what you're going to get in public relations, you add on a whole other layer of that thrill working in healthcare. And um, it's just been fantastic. And through my work, I've been able to meet people like the two of you and uh, present all around and kind of geek out on public relations stuff. 
And geek out we do indeed, because if we don't tell our story, someone else is going to tell the story about us. And uh, before we get into the kind of main discussion, I need to say the three of us, plus a few others, including Randall Mann from Acadian Ambulance, are doing the route this year, doing the conference circuit. We're going to be on the EMS Leadership Summit, actually this week, uh, talking, my, myself, Mark, and Alexia. Uh, we're going to be doing a pre-con at the American Ambulance Association trade show week after next. We're going to be at EMS World Expo. Uh, Alexa, I know you're doing a few individual subjects with your other partner in crime, Adam Heinz. Yeah. And I'm also going to be at the uh, Virginia EMS Symposium. So, Mark, if you're passing, come along and uh, and join in as well. The point being is this message is so important to us that we've spent this year and actually time and money getting on the road to pass the message on about how to be effective communicators. As I said, communication is key. We're a billboard organization. We drive around in an ambulance with our name on it. We become very uh, watchable, very visible. Uh, We become the focus of many uh, bystander YouTube uh, recordings. We're always in the news But of course, sometimes we're in the news for the wrong things. Sometimes we want to be in the news for the right things and we can't. So, you know, question number one, how do we tell our story, Alexia? Often and (laughs) with a lot of um, a lot of heart, I think, looking deep into your organization and recognizing the incredible work that the healthcare providers and everyone behind the scenes do on a day-to-day basis, uh, looking for patient opportunities to connect that, um, that, that patient experience back to the work that is done and doing it regularly and, and making sure those relationships with the media and all of our external stakeholders are in place and being fostered and cared for on a regular basis is really important for us so that when we can go to them with a great news story, they're happy to cover it. They know that they're going to get um, a good, accurate, well-rounded story out of it. And then, Rob, as you alluded to, when there are tougher things that are happening in the news related to EMS, we know that because those relationships are already in place, we can lean on them and know that the media, at least locally, will work with us um, to represent a fair and balanced story and trust that we are working to be transparent with them. So there's a lot to unpack in that in that answer, but I would say uh, that's where we would start. Actually, you have given us a lot to unpack, and let's let's talk about fair and balanced. It's normally the uh, watchword of you know certain TV stations. Uh, we have to be on side with our local media outlets, whether it's print, whether it's uh, uh, TV, or indeed these days whether it's social media. Mark, you were one of them. Now you're one of us. Uh, how do we make friends? I think one of the most important things you can do is developing good relationships. Uh, One of the first things that I did when I came into this position was uh, I went out and reached out to every media outlet in our area. Many of them were familiar with me because I was a reporter in the market, um, but this was a new role. And I reached out to make sure that I understood what their needs were, uh, what the historical relationship they had with our agency was and what I could do to foster that relationship and make that, make that relationship uh, continue to grow and become stronger. Um, and that goes a long way when you learn about the needs and the desires of the outlets that you're hoping to work with, um, because you don't want to waste their time and figuring out what's important to them and what kind of stories they want to hear about um, will help you figure out what to pitch and when to pitch those stories, which is incredibly invaluable. Uh, But it's also invaluable when it comes to tough times and tough stories. Um, 
being able to have that good relationship and knowing that when you're talking with that outlet or that reporter, um, they're going to be able to trust what you're saying because you've developed that rapport. And that goes a long way uh, when they know that you're going to come to them uh, with transparency and, and trust. And, and that can help you uh, not only in the good times, but especially in the bad times. Those are wise words, actually, and thank you for, for giving us that, so, you know, that the perspective from, you know, you've been on the other side, but uh, if we've got a story and we want to pitch it, uh, do, you know, do you call up your local reporter or is there a route to getting things into the news, perhaps? I mean, Alexa, you've done this before. Uh, yeah, so I think there's a couple of different ways to approach that. As, as Mark mentioned, having those relationships in place and uh, looking at every opportunity and interaction with a reporter as a way to connect with them and maybe pitch them, so to speak, on something that's coming up. So when we have a reporter here on property, now that we're moving into the fall weather, we might say, hey, definitely keep us in mind for as the weather turns and, you know, there's snow and ice and we need to uh, talk to people about avalanche safety and driving in winter conditions and things like that. So um, our perspective here at Remsa Health is that every time we have an interaction with a reporter, we're constantly trying to chat with them, make sure that we're figuring out the best ways to get that information to them. And frankly, they're busy folks. They work on a deadline. They have lots of things kind of swirling around in their heads. So anytime we can uh, help them prepare and give them a little nugget of information, it seems that they're really receptive to that. And they'll often tell us what's the best way to be in touch with them, whether that's pitching the station and sending information to assignment editors or news directors or reaching out directly to the reporter about something. So if you just ask, I have found that they're really responsive and uh, grateful that you are trying to make it as easy for them as possible. Now, one of the things that uh, I know we've all heard is where somebody says, oh, yes, but I've got no news. I've got no story to tell. I can't possibly say anything that's you know almost good about ourselves. But uh, let's do a kind of a quick fire round and each of you give us a couple of things that you can promote about your organization, the unique things that you think that journalists and the media outlets would be interested in. So, Mark, and go. Yeah, so I can give you a couple of things that we've done this year. Uh, we have a new technology that we're using. Some may be familiar with it. It's called What Three Words, and it basically breaks down the entire world into 10-foot squares. And you can use three words to locate any of those squares. And so how is that being used in EMS? Well, we have a lot of places where you may be calling 911 and it's not from an address. And we have a lot of trails, parks. And so this technology allows us to find that patient very quickly because using their cell phone, we can figure out their exact location and we can communicate the three words to our crews to figure out where that patient is. That's very cool technology. That's something that we pitched to the press and they were very, very receptive to. Um, and it's something that's beneficial to the community. And it, it was something that we wanted them to know that we were able to, to, to utilize at this point. Um, so that was a great story. Uh, something we did during May that any EMS agency can do is uh, we did pop up CP, CPR events. And one of the things that we tried to, to come across with, with that message is that a cardiac arrest can happen anywhere at any time. So we're going to do these events across the entire city and you're not going to know where we are and you're not going to know when we're going to pop up, but we're going to pop up and do some CPR demonstrations for the folks passing by. Um, that was very easy to set up. We invited the media to come to one of the pop-up demonstrations and it was visual, it was informational, and obviously it also helps us because we want as many people as possible to learn that life-saving skill. So those are just a couple ideas that we did this year and uh, 
those are things that you can always be on the lookout for. So you mentioned what three words. That may need a whole uh, program of its own right to talk about advanced technology. Just so you all know, I am sitting at event.colder.router. So if you want to work out where I'm recording from, that's exactly where I am now in California. Event, colder, router are my what three words. What words do you have for us, Alexia? I have more than three words. Uh, today, I can tell you that recently we uh, pitched a story about uh, CareFlight, which is our critical care air ambulance, and that received an awesome response. Um, we had a reporter fly along with our crews. They covered the area. They talk about how um, those crews are able to provide critical care um, thousands of feet above the region and assist other first responders. So that was a great uh, coverage piece for us. Recently, we were also re-accredited by the IAED for our dispatch center, and we have been, I want to say, re-accredited eight continuous times, and that is really a feather in our cap, if I do say so, Um, and so we've been able to share that information with our news partners as well, help them understand what sets us apart in terms of quality and um, that we provide healthcare over the phone. We like to call our dispatchers our first, first responders, and our media is a great partner in sharing that message. And then some of the things that kind of Mark mentioned, we talk about uh, hands-only CPR on a regular basis with our news partners. We have regular classes through our education department that they um, help us promote. We also just recently did a car seat safety media interview just last week, um, helping parents understand how to properly install their car seats and letting them know that we have appointments available to make sure that they get that done properly. So there is never a a shortage of stories in um, an EMS agency, I think. Excellent. You mentioned your IED. Uh, I'm guessing that's the ACE. Uh, I think you might be in competition with Mark's control room. You need to run in there and count the amount of certificates on your wall. I think you might be uh, neck and neck. We'll uh, we'll work that out later. Um, Let me add a few in as well, because, uh, you know, the... Some of my favorites were always things around the holidays. You mentioned car seat safety. That's, of course, keeping your most precious cargo secure. We always secure the child, but sometimes to forget to secure the car seat. Um, NORAD Santa is always, it was always a cracking favorite of mine because NORAD, of course, as we know, really do track Santa across the skies of on the 24th. Um, we actually sort of joined in with that because we were able to use that as our kind of um, holiday message to be careful to have a designated driver, et cetera. And of course, we could then promote things like CPR, which of course, as you all know, is complete protection for reindeer. Uh, and so uh, those sort of things. And so we, we deliver that with a deadpan face, but actually the message about uh, holiday safety got across. Uh, our, our One of our associate medical directors, Steph Luca, used to do the, the hazards of Christmas decorations. If uh, grandma still has that old lead line tinsel in the attic, you might want to get in there and throw it away. I mean, those sort of things are great PSAs and public safety messages. And you can use that to draw, draw attention to the, the fact that you are the resident experts in this. Um, one of the things that we've been doing this year on our sort of media workshops is if you can't think of things to uh, to do each or throughout the year is to create almost a media calendar. And we've done that to great effect now. And uh, either of you, I mean, just tell folk what they can do to create a media calendar, how they can have it as an ex-team building exercise almost. Yes, I'll, I'll say it was really fantastic to see those ideas pop up on those uh, charts in our sessions recently. And-, and, ha- and how do we do it, though? How do they do it? If you're out there and you're going you're gonna to have an exercise to do this, what should you do? 
Uh, you should get some people from across your organization. I feel, is this, is, is there a right or wrong answer here? Am I like, <laughs> am I going to get the buzzer if this is the wrong answer? Well, we'll see. Keep going. So I would say get together a variety of people from across your organization that represent the different departments and do a little brainstorming session. Put up 12 different charts around the room and ask people to, you know, look at the internet and see what day it is um, and uh, ask them to kind of fill out ideas around that and uh, look out into other agencies in the community. I think, frankly, one of the best ways that we get ideas at REMSA is to steal ideas from Richmond. We uh, look at at their social feeds and uh, what they're putting out, and we say, "Oh, that's a great idea," and let's let's uh, adopt that. So, um, tap into the brain trust that already exists. How'd I do? Okay, you did very very well there, and you actually mentioned R and D, which, as we all know, is rip off and duplicate, and. Uh, so those are some great ideas. And yes, everybody should have a, if you haven't got a media calendar, get together with the group, make it a group activity. It can be a team building, ice breaking exercise and come up with stuff. And I'll start you off. Don't forget EMS week. Uh, and there's so many different things. We were actually surprised, I have to say, when we've done this in the past, of some of the ideas that people came up with. And of course, we all made notes. We're going to go to a break, though, so don't forget you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to give us a rating. Remember, we're now on our own uh, on a standalone uh, podcast platform, courtesy of Lexapol and EMS1. So give us a great rating, please. And now a message from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Thank you for that. Let's get back on to talking about communication with uh, Mark Tenya and Alexia Jobson. We've talked about all the positive things, but occasionally in our industry, in our business, in our profession, things go wrong. And it could be anything from ambulance crashes, rollovers, line of duty death, patient patient death, sadly. Uh, how should we start preparing for that sort of thing if you're sitting in the corner office or indeed if you're a junior manager or a junior leader? Well, I think you said the key word right there, Mark, prepare. Don't wait for these incidents to come up. You just had a short list right there. I call it the list of things that keep me awake at night. And we have an idea about what those are. Kind of imagine what your worst day might be. And in fact, maybe your organization has even experienced some of these things already. So go back and look at how they were handled and make a little list. And then I would say just start preparing at least a little bit of information for each of those scenarios. So maybe you come up with a template for or a statement, or you make sure that you have um, a media staging area identified on your property. Just some of those things to start checking them off the list early so that when that issue or crisis does pop up, you're not trying to solve it all at once. I'm sure, Mark, you have some other ideas. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, R&D, rip off and duplicate. That doesn't just apply to bad stories. I mean, good stories. That also applies to bad stories. Um, there are plenty of EMS agencies that have gone through situations that your agency may not have gone through yet, but may go through. Um, and you can find out how they handled it, what they did right, what you think they may have done wrong, and put that into your crisis communication plan. 
Uh, I know for uh, the Richmond Ambulance Authority, one of the things we did, I reached out to Alexia and she was telling me about an issue they were dealing with. I said, how are you guys dealing with that? She sent me a bunch of information that I wasn't using at the time, but it proved to be very useful a few months into the future um, because something came up at our agency and everything that she had provided to me, uh, we were able to use for the crisis that we were in. And it was a different crisis, but a lot of the tools uh, were still applicable for the situation that we were dealing with. So go out there and as you're doing your research, uh, figure out well, as you're coming up with your plan, what other agencies have gone through, uh, the difficult situations, what they've how they've responded and uh, what the response was from the community. And that can help you figure out uh, your plan and, and what you want, want to do or may want to do uh, if you're ever faced with a similar situation. Again, a great answer. But uh, if you're facing a crisis, is no comment an option of an answer? No. If no comment, as Alexia famously says, is a comment. Um, if you are not saying anything, then you're allowing uh, many others to say it for you. And that's the last thing we want. Um, you can always say something uh, while it may not even be directly about the situation that they're asking, um, you can always explain uh, protocols and policies that you have in place. Um, you can always explain uh, historical data that you have that show shows what you do um, on a regular basis. Um, and it always can help to give reporters and the media perspective on a lot of things. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, our compatriots uh, Randall mentioned was, uh, you know, someone may uh, talk about an ambulance that was delayed in one response. Uh, but you should give them perspective. Um, in an entire year, you may run more than 60,000 calls. So one out of 60,000, if you're putting into perspective, is not as dire as it may seem to the person asking the question. So uh, I would always say there is an option when it comes to putting out a statement, at least, if, if not uh, going going further and doing an interview. Mark, you, you made a couple of great points there. And, and Rob, if you'll allow me, I'll, I'll just mention two things. One is that I was talking with a public relations colleague in a completely different industry a couple of weeks ago, and she had had an experience with a, a previous employer and something was simmering on the internet, on social media, on Twitter. And her organization said, we, we just have to say, we hear you. We recognize that this is a problem. And we need to look into it and then we can get back to you. So sometimes even just saying we know we're looking at it is a much more productive and uh, uh, relationship building opportunity kind of comment than, than no comment at all. I think the other thing is when we talk about prepare absolutely look at the other agencies, which which we've all said, but I keep my eye out on other industries as well. And you know in your gut when something hits right and when it doesn't. And recently a great example are some of the airlines that have had a lot of trouble, uh, you know, moving luggage along or people or whatever it is. And so way back when that started, I Southwest Airlines put out a great statement and I captured a screenshot of that and tucked it away because sometimes you just need a little bit of jumpstart like that to get um, to get your brain in the right place when you are finding yourself in a crisis or issue management situation. So I'd say just start a little folder of what to do and what not to do and kind of check yourself against that as you work through a situation. Another classic PIO scenario here. So you, you have asked me a searching question and I don't know the answer. What should I do, Mark? It's okay to say you don't know the answer to a question. Um, and if you can get that answer, then you can say, well, we're, we'll work on that and, and try and get an answer to that question. Um, and in some cases, you may not just have the information. Um, and there may be a better organization or outlet uh, that they should go to. Um, and in many cases, 
when I get an inquiry and I know an organization, uh, another organization would be a better um, person to answer that question, I'll just direct the reporter um, towards them. And I'll also give that agency a heads up. Hey, by the way, I got this question. I thought you were, would be the best person to, to answer this question. So I've, I've told them to, to contact you. Um, and I think that helps build the relationship with the reporter and also helps the relationship that you have with your partner organizations. So we've had the interview, Alexia, and uh, we thought we gave all the right answers, whether it's recording or live. And we'll come back to that with Mark in a second. But you don't quite like or you don't, it doesn't sit quite right with you what they just said about you. Do you have a right of reply? Definitely. And I think there's a couple of ways to do this. One of the ways I would say is that, you know, the internet is open to everyone. And so if you have an opportunity and a way to kind of correct that information on your social media or your blog, you should definitely feel empowered to do that. I think, again, getting back to that relationship piece, it's also really important to close the loop with the media outlet that you worked with and to go back to them respectfully and constructively and say, you know, maybe even mea culpa, perhaps we didn't explain this clearly enough, or we didn't share enough data. Let me tell you what's really going on. Or maybe we can take another look at this and do a follow-up story for your viewers or readers. So I think as long as you approach it properly, uh, there's absolutely an, uh, an opportunity and a right to go back to that, especially if they just blatantly got something wrong, or they took something in the wrong direction, um, or they pulled a gotcha. There's even more dramatic steps I think you can take in dealing with the media in that regard. We don't have to work with them necessarily. It's a symbiotic relationship. And so you don't necessarily want to threaten them with that, but you want them to understand that, you know, this is a, a mutual relationship and you're going to continue to work hard for them if they do the same thing back for you. Wonderful. And so when you've agreed to have the press in, whether it's for a good story, for a bad story, there are, you could be live on the sixes or the elevens, or you could be pre-recorded for the news later. What's the difference and what are the top tips, Mark? Yeah, well, for a live interview, there's only one shot. Um, so you, you have to make sure that you have somebody that's well-prepared, um, that speaks clearly, concisely, and is able to think on their feet. Um, and you know who those people are. Um, everyone who is in communications or works for your agency, you know who your rock stars are. Um, and you know who your go-to people are for those situations. It's a much different situation when you're live, you have a limited amount of time to get your point across um, versus a pre-recorded interview. Um, generally with a pre-recorded interview, they're gonna ask you a lot more questions and give you an opportunity to say whatever you wanna say at the end. Um, in general, uh, reporters will at least say, is there anything that you wanna add that, uh, that we didn't touch on? And that's your opportunity to reinforce something that you either said before or uh, offer an opinion that, uh, that was not hit on during the interview. Um, so it's just figuring out Who's best suited for what? But they do a, a pre-record interview, and we've all been there, and they're there for an hour, and they only use three minutes or two minutes. And, uh, you know, is there any way that you can affect that, or is there any way that you can influence it, or is, you know, what should you be doing? Should you always be watching watching it back? What, what are the top tips for when they're on site for a long time, and you're not dictating the way they're recording it? They're, they're going back and forth, getting B-roll and everything else. How do you handle those situations? One of the things that I will say, um, it was probably the greatest frustration of people I used to interview when I was a reporter was the time that I took with an interview and the actual sound bites that I used. Uh, what people may not understand when you're doing those interviews is, yes, um, I may only use 30 seconds of the interview, but that hour gives the reporter so much perspective on the story. And that's what you're doing. When you spend that much time, it's not about the sound bites. 
that you're providing and making those sound bites get into the story. It's about getting that person to understand the issue at hand and to give them the perspective that they need for that story, because that will help them as they're writing and putting the story together. And that's the most important thing, not the sound bites, but that they actually understood the issue at hand. And I have to say that in the past, I've offered the arriving reporter a tour of the com because that's always a good one when you can start talking about, you know, future stories, start talking about, by the way, if you have a slow news day, I've got a whole list of things. Did you realize that we are a science technology uh, master center? Because, of course, the data, the information, the, 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 the things that we use to predict the next call are very newsworthy. And so I sort of, even if it, we're not on that subject, I will always try and just ha- have a tour. If you've been here before, pleased to meet you. Come and have a look around and uh, Etc. Let's talk about the soundbite, though. You mentioned it, Mark, but uh, what is a soundbite, Alexia, and uh, how do we, you know, perfect that skill? It takes practice, I'll say, and um, I think making sure that you are working with a spokesperson that's willing to practice and get good at the soundbite is really important. And it's something you can work out ahead of time. A soundbite, I would say, think about it in terms of a, a tweet or a social post. So maybe two to three to four sentences. Um, one of our colleagues in EMS, Matt Savatsky, often will say, if you have to take a breath, it's time to stop talking, which I think is a really interesting way to think about that. And it sounds like, you know, sometimes people worry that that will come across as curt or, um, you know, they, that they are not engaging the reporter. But I think really focusing in on that soundbite makes sure that you're sticking to your message and helping to ensure that you will, in fact, end up with a good soundbite on on the news that evening, even if it ends up being just the 30 seconds that Mark talked about. So you want to practice at it, probably two to four sentences, and figure out different ways to say the same thing so that you're able to reiterate that point. Not everybody has a PIO, uh, a spokesperson, a talking head, call them what you will. But, uh, you know, I think I think, and I think we all agree, everybody should do. If you don't, where should you start? You should come to one of our sessions. Good answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, this is what we this is what we cover. So we help people understand that if they don't have someone dedicated to the PIO role, that there are uh, tricks and tips and bits of information that we can share that will help them get more comfortable working with the media on a daily basis. So that would be my suggestion, Mark. Maybe you have another idea about where they should start. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think that's been very important for me is having a network of people to lean on um, outside of my agency. Um, and there are a lot of folks uh, out there that may not have that person they can go to, but while it may not be within your agency, there are many people in the field that are willing to help whenever um, called upon. So I, I know we've always said our doors are always open. Uh, feel free to email or call us or text us. Um, and, and it, you know, if you have others in this agent in this field that you can rely on that have the same frustrations and um, are going through the same challenges, you know, lean on those people, figure out what they think and, and figure out how they can help you. Yes, and do come and see our sessions at these various pre-conferences. We'd love to see you. Also, if you're in the public sector, the volunteer sector, the not-for-profit sector, of course, you can go to the uh, Emergency Management Institute at Emmitsburg. There is a catalogue of courses and classes you can take there. PIO is one of them. It's absolutely free. In fact, they'll even fly you in or provide you free transport, free free transport, free accommodation. You just have to cut a check for the food. 
uh, and the week at Emmitsburg is absolutely free. And if you are in a organization that has the ability to book classes and and actually not just PIO, there's classes for everything uh, at in Emmitsburg. And so go look for that, download it, and you can get a lot of education, further education for absolute free. But there is a PIO segment. Uh, do it and uh, make the most of it. That's my sort of top tip and takeaway. Uh, if you're in, you know, that obviously if you're in a private uh, for-profit organization, those classes and courses aren't available to you. But as Alexia quite rightly said, we're everywhere this year. So come along and uh, and join in. Time has, uh, has passed. Uh, we've communicated a lot and thank you for that. So uh, how can we keep up and follow you, uh, Alexia? You can follow Remsa Health on a variety of social platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I am also on those platforms at Alexia B. Jobson. And please feel free to reach out to me via email or telephone. Or if you are at one of our conferences this fall, I would love to chat with you and further geek out on public relations anytime. Okay, Mark, same question, including how we can geek out with you. Yeah, same goes for me. We are at uh, R-A-A-E-M-S on Facebook, Twitter, and R-A-A underscore E-M-S on Instagram. Uh, we also have a YouTube account, and we would love uh, for you to check us out. And if you ever have any questions, you can also reach out to me um, through our website at R-A-A-E-M-S.org. Um, I also have a personal Twitter account, uh, but often you're probably just going to see tweets about the New York Giants or New York Yankees. Um, and it may, may not be as, as much use to you as, as Alexia's account, but uh, certainly welcome uh, any, anyone that wants to reach out. This is a good point to end this podcast because, as you know, one of my major communication issues is the uh, leaf blower guy coming outside my window when I'm recording, and they're about to arrive. So it's a good time to finish. Uh, so don't forget, you can keep up with me on Twitter at UKRobL1. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, leave any comments uh, on this show or any other show you've heard in the comments section of uh, – can you hear the buzz of the leaf blower arriving? In the comments section of the, the, uh, the website – and that's been about it. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I really appreciate that. I love hanging out, geeking out, and actually passing the message on. So, guys, thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. So that was this week's edition of EMS One Stop. They've been Alexa Jobson and Mark Tenier. I've been Rob Lawrence. And until next time, bye for now.